Hi everybody, welcome to the Vanquish Your Business Demons podcast with me, Julia Stock, Business Revolutionary at Be Astute and the amazing Bill Stock. Good morning. Tech God. If you say so. You've given away the fact that we're recording this first thing on a Monday morning. What's wrong with that? Ha! See? Okay. You wanted to talk about eating elephants today. Well, not literally, obviously, because that would be probably quite chewy, but... um. Yes, it's the importance of not trying to eat the whole elephant in one go. Why would I want to eat an elephant? Okay, the, the, stepping back from the not wanting to eat an elephant. <laughs> There's right. an elephant in the room analogy, isn't there? It's, there are many, many, are many elephants elephant in the room, Alan. Yeah. Yes. Um, so tell me more about your elephant on my so, dinner table. So it's a bit like HS2, isn't it? It's like... Do you want to build the whole way to Manchester in one go? Or do you buy it? Do you do it in little bits? It's the same thing with the elephant. It's like, if you were going to, hypothetically, obviously, because we don't eat elephants. Well, I don't know. Right. Would you want to, you wouldn't want to like have the whole elephant in one meal. You want to build, you want to eat little bits. Because I think there's a difference between a project like HS2 where in order to get from London to Manchester, you kind of have to commit to the whole thing. You do? Yeah, there's not really any but way your out. your aspiration is, get, is to get to Manchester. I can understand why they, they you decided might... to have a whole herd. Or where you actually are trying to get this is in terms of running your business. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We should so, be talking about running, running a business. But so, in the context of running a business, it's like the importance of not trying to do it all in one go. Break it up into little bits that are manageable and doable. Why? Because we all have a great sense of success when we actually achieve something, as opposed to when we try and build a railway line to Manchester, it never really happens. Not this week. Not this week. But also, it's the whole thing that, like, 12 years ago, we decided we were going to build a railway line to Manchester, and now, actually, we're not that fast. You know? We could think of better things to do with our money and more useful things to do with our money, allegedly. Right. And it's that whole thing, if you break it up into into small bits and you get to the end of your first small bit and you look around and go, do I want elephant today? Or maybe I want a bit of antelope. And you've got that choice. I, I'm really not sure this is going anywhere useful. So, <laughs> um, in terms of running my business, how about we actually deliver okay. some useful business in, advice in, here. Useful business. So, what we often find when we're working with ambitious business owners is they want a lot of change yeah they need a lot of things to change and of course all the pieces within a business are interlinked they are so if you have multiple areas of your business annoying you Mm -hmm. what is your recommendation do you work out which one is most annoying this week right and you fix that one why because the more things you move at the same time, the less likely you are to understand what is actually fixing the problem. It's a science thing, isn't it? It's like if you move you move one little bit and see what difference you get, and you move the next little bit and see what difference you get. If you move everything. And actually focusing on one thing at a time allows you to do that one thing well. Theoretically, yes. 
Well, it's not going to be done makes less it, well. It makes it easier to do it well because you've got focus and you've got you've got a clearly defined scope and you've got a reasonably well-defined goal as to what you want to do. And, it's, and it'll happen within the, I suppose, working lifetime of a bunch of people that are involved with it. Whereas if you pick something which is huge and complex, it'll get passed from one person to the next as they, as they move around a business and it'll lose focus. And by the time you get to the third person that is doing it, they'll be going, why did we start doing this? Yeah. Oh. Whereas if you do a little bit, everybody understands, everybody owns it. And also if you do little things and focus on very specific things, it's much easier to see the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us into the joys of smart targets. Oh no, not smart targets. I love a smart target. They're very clever. Mm. Being... Tell us all about smart targets. <laughs> well, being as they are specific, mm-hmm. measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. So the S, the M, and the T are the interesting bits within that statement. Mm-hmm. Being specific, measurable, and time-bound. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> You're distracted by the dog wagging on the floor again. I am distracted more by the dog on the, on the podcast. Yes. Um, One day we'll do a dog-free podcast. But yeah, this, the, the being measurable, because you need to understand whether or not you're actually making progress in the right direction. Well, you need to know where the finish line is. And where you're trying to get to, yeah. That's right. um, and actually, it still surprises me how many few, how few business owners that we come across have numbers mm-hmm. that they're trying to hit. Yeah. Even the most simple But you need numbers. to understand why you're doing something as well. I think a lot of people aren't that motivated by money um, and so only see a valid target as being a monetary target, which, of course, is not. Well, we talked last time out about the KPIs and the importance of... And uh, kind of... A KPI is different from a target, mm-hmm. though. Yep. Um, but they're think, a way of measuring whether or not you're getting in the direction of your target, aren't they? So. Yes. But fundamentally, the target is I want to achieve this by then. Mm-hmm. And you want that to be as laser focused as you possibly can be. Now, in some areas, it can be a struggle to be more specific. Mm-hmm. But actually, that's normally in how we phrased it. So you could say, I want to have more customer engagement. Yeah. Okay. Is that measurable? I mean, that's measurable. Well, it comes down to what you're able to measure. So that's in how you describe customer engagement. Mm -hmm. Lots of people kind of get stuck on the first one. I'd like to have more customer engagement. Great, brilliant. Um, And they don't go any further than that into actually describing what they mean by customer engagement. Or why they want more customer engagement. Exactly. Um, You know, are we talking about customer engagement in terms of social media content? So are we chasing likes and comments mm-hmm. um that's perfectly valid but then we need to come back to for what point and purpose do we want those likes and comments now there is lots of evidence out there that a more engaged audience is more likely to purchase from you so are we linking this customer engagement target to a sales target mm-hmm. are we linking it back to our sales process in terms of, you know, ideally a small business wants to have seven different marketing strands mm. in order to generate leads. Mm-hmm. So are we adding in and bumping up our social media 
as part of expanding to have more marketing strands? Do we already have it as a marketing strand and it's just not working for us? Mm. In which case, if it's not working for us, then you're back to, well, maybe if I had more engagement, I might generate more sales from my There's social media. There's a lot of mites in there, aren't there? Well, I think that's the nature of sales and marketing. There's a lot of mites. It's connected, but the causation is all comes down to the quality of how you do it, and it comes down to what you're selling. There are some people who find selling on social media to be really, really easy. They make it central to their marketing oh, strategy. Oh, but is it them or is it their product? It's, you, can't, you can't do that on a podcast because nobody can see you do it. What, with my arm movement that you've just <laughs> mocked me for remorselessly on an audio podcast that nobody can see you mocking me either? I know, it's good, isn't it? <sighs> never podcast with your husband mm. um anyway what you are selling is interconnected to the personality you bring to it because people buy from people um, they do but they only buy for things from people that they want they to buy want to buy what the person is selling absolutely and that's the thing that people forget and some products and services are definitely easier to sell via social media than others mm. like what I mean, you've got lots of brands that have made an enormous amount of success at selling, you know, clothing, cosmetics, a lot of food and drink brands. Social media works brilliantly for them. Mm -hmm. um, Why? Because you're, there's lots of techniques in terms of showing people using it, educating people as to who, where, why, what, how um, the product does. Um, so you can work in different ways and produce content via social media at a much lower price point that you can through traditional media. Mm. Um, again, social media is great if you've got a teeny tiny budget. There's a lot of DIY stuff that you can do. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of atrocious content out there that doesn't influence anybody positively. So, so coming, coming back to, back to coming our back target, to coming back to our target, <laughs> it's... And also back to last week's podcast where we were talking about business strategy mm. and planning and all this grown-up stuff. If you have an overall desire, vision, um, plan for I want to generate this amount of turnover and I want to generate this amount of profit, what we're then able to do is look at the best way to achieve that. So those things do need to be smart targets. By the end of the year, I want my turnover to be X. We want to think about where it is now. So if I want a £2 million turnover by the end of the year, mm -hmm. and I'm only on 100000 now, this is where the A and the R and the smart target comes in. So I can say, I want to have £2 million turnover by Christmas 2024, that's specific, it's measurable, because we can count mm. that, and it's time-bound. Now, we then have to sense-check that for the achievable and the realistic, £2 million turnovers for some businesses, walk in the park. If I am introducing a new product, I could potentially go from 100,000 turnover to 2 million in a year, 
it would have to be an amazing product and have to have a fabulous sales and marketing strategy with some serious money behind it. But if those things were in place, then yeah, I could go from 100,000 to 2 million quite quickly. Yeah, I suppose. If I don't have those things in place, I'm working in cloud cuckoo land. I suppose my, my concern to that is that, okay, so I, I managed to hit my turnover target. But do I know that I actually hit my turnover target because of all the things I did with my sales and marketing plan? How do I know? Because what you need to have is a sales and marketing plan that also has further smart targets. You can't just have the yeah, one. Yeah, so you have to have lots. You have, you have to have a herd of a little herd elephants. Of little <laughs> yes, it's so not just one. It's that hierarchy and coming back to your do you eat the elephant all in one go. No, you don't. You chop its legs off. <laughs> or you breed a lot of little herds of baby elephants right. with all these little targets. Micro elephants. You can have a micro elephant. So basically what we're saying is that you end up with a bunch of targets which all feed into the one target at the beginning, at the end. They all like are information about this major target well, as to why you've got there. But yeah, it's the, okay, if I want to get to two million pound turnover, it's thinking about what needs to be in place in order to make that happen. Now, sales and marketing is a major part of that. Mm -hmm. And if you're planning your sales and marketing activity for a year, you have to start with a sales target. Well, that's your aspiration. Well, it's an aspiration is la 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 la. I would love to have a two million pound turnover next year. Yeah. That'd be great, babes. Five would be better, but you know. That's aspiration. Mm. It's not a target. Because okay. it'd be, it would be, that'd be lovely. Mm. Um, a target is we're going to hit £2 million turnover mm. by next year. We've done a financial projection. We've actually thought about how much of this we need to sell to how many people mm -hmm. each month. So we have some monthly but, sales targets. So you've got a financial target, which is your big end of the road goal, but then you have a lot of non financial targets that but the starting point to... has to be to have that financial projection mm -hmm. if i want to get to two million then how much of my product do i have to sell every month mm -hmm. in order to hit that target mm -hmm. right so i want to sell this so then you're looking at things like your conversion rate how many leads do i need to generate at the start of my sales process mm -hmm in order to generate that level of sales every month. Mm. So that could be, and this is where coming back to um, engagement with social media, you know, that we started on a while ago, that's where the likes and the comments potentially come in. So if I'm saying I have to sell a thousand of whatever's a month, yeah. we're then looking at our seven marketing strands and you're looking at going back into last year, which of those strands worked the hardest for you? You're then thinking, okay, can I scale that strand mm -hmm. or am I already maxed out? Mm -hmm. So for example, if business networking is one of your strands, well, I only go to one network. Okay, is there a, do you think that you would get the same bang for your buck if you went to a second network? Could you perhaps 
go to a network where there's more of a target market involved in that network? Could you go to one that's working harder for you? So you want to also evaluate what you're doing at the moment. If you're kind of having a flirtation with social media and it's generating some sales, there's clearly capacity. You don't need to work out which social media you're actually talking about. That Which comes platform? back to your target market. Mm -hmm. So you need to understand where your customers potentially live. It's not necessarily about where they live. It's what platform, you know, yeah. there are a multitude of social media platforms out there. Um, and we need to have an understanding of who it is that buys our product. Who are we aiming at? Who are they? What do they do? Um, so how do we get that understanding? Well, you can look at your existing customers. Right. What are we looking at when we look at our existing customers, though? I'd want to start with who are my bestest ones. Okay. So how did you find bestest? That is part of the art because it does come down to who, how you define it. If we want to be cold, hard and business cynical, we're going to start with the people who spend the most money with us. Mm. Are we? They would be the people who clearly Surely are most we're actually aligned. interested in the ones that we make the most money out of. So the ones that... Which have... being different to the ones that Absolutely. we get the most money from. So we start with sales, then we can look at profitability, mm -hmm. because you may have some customers that buy a lot from you, but it's such a discount. Or, or it's such an effort to sell them to in the first place. Which is stage three, is which are the people we like... Yeah, so we start very business sensible. Who's generating the most sales? Who's generating the most profit? And then we become softer and fluffier in terms of who do we actually like dealing with? Does that, but that, the like dealing with is a bit of a B2B concept because if you're a B2C scenario, you're not really going to get to know your client that well. It depends on what you're selling. What sort of things would you think of? Well, if, for example, you're a bathroom company or a kitchen True. company, yeah. okay. then you're working with people over a longer project. Um, architects yeah. um, do a lot of B2C work. Um, they're working with people over a longer period of time. They're building mm. relationships. So if you've got a relationship, if you've got to build a relationship, you need to decide whether you want to have a relationship. It's who are somebody else was talking about firing customers the other week. Absolutely. And that comes down to the ideal customers. Who are the people who... When you see they're phoning you, or when you see an email, mm -hmm. do you get a feeling of dread and panic and stress? <laughs> yeah. Or do you get a smile on your face on the, oh, yay, I get to talk to you today? Mm -hmm. The people who were going, yay, I get to talk to you today, they're our ideal customers. Yeah. Especially if they're also the people who buy a lot from us and we make profit out of. But there is the no like and trust thing, isn't it? Once that people get to know you, they will buy more from you, in theory. If, if you, you are make the effort to sell to them. And you're um, selling things that they want to buy. Absolutely. So you've got those three layers of kind of finding the ideal customer. Once you've identified those customers you really like working with, you can start analysing their personality. Mm -hmm. um, what is it about them that I really like? And you will find some patterns if you think about them as individuals. You may find that there's a common goal in terms of you all like golf 
you get to spend a lot of time talking about a common hobby with people. But then that comes back to where you find your customers as well, doesn't it? Like, how but if you, you know that you all your ideal customers happen to love golf, even though you might be selling something completely unrelated, environmental consultancy. Oh, yeah, that's quite green. Absolutely. Um, that then helps us inform ourselves a marketing strategy. Everybody I know loves golf. Right, okay, we'll go and maybe sponsor a golf event. We'll go golf networking. They do exist. They do exist, I know this, I know. Um, there's some people who get a lot of business via golf networking. Um, and, yeah, you can look at how you can be doing more work marketing to people directly through golf clubs. So it then informs the plan. Mm-hmm which then should hopefully give you more stuff. Also, if you love golf people, going back to social media, which is where we started, we're going to be putting more golf content out there. Okay. You could put out a post once a week about, you know, Saturday morning, here I am on this golf tee, look at the view on that, all this stuff. So in amongst all the grown-up business content, you're sliding in your love of golf which then should be attracting people who are interested in your business content towards you because they also have that love of golf. So you're attracting people who meet your ideal client camp requirement. Mm. But you obviously need to understand that, that, that you need to be able to measure the performance of your golf mornings. So you don't just do it because you actually quite like playing golf on a Sunday morning. Oh, stop being such a business grown up. No, everything has to be measurable. Oh, it's got to be measurable because otherwise, like, it doesn't exist, does it? No, I can just go and play golf because I like playing golf. Oh, but that's a different, yeah, okay. Yeah, and I can just talk about, we know that you won't be playing golf, so that's okay. No, neither of us will be playing golf. Nobody needs that. Nobody needs that. Mm. But it's the thing around, within social media, things like authenticity are very important, so showing people who you really are, what you're really interested in, um, will attract like-minded people towards you. But then I suppose you do reach a point where you've maxed out the golf potential. It's a big market. It is a big market, I agree. But but You could go international. Okay, yeah, all right, you could go international. Or you could just, like, take up another sport, you know, maybe. But there are millions of people around the world who like golf. Yeah. And within marketing, niching works. It allows you to talk more authentically and with more knowledge into your subject area Mm. Um, rather than claiming to be an expert on absolutely everything. Then, yeah, I'm interested in people who love golf. All right, then. And you're an architect who loves things about golf, is that basically what we're saying? And that then <coughs> can feed back into your business strategy of, I'm an architect who loves everything to do with golf, therefore, actually, I want to market to golf clubs to try and do more architectural well, work. I mean, it is networking at the end of the day, isn't it? That's basically what we're talking about. You're, but the more specific you can be in terms of what you're looking for, the mm. more likely you are to break into that niche. So if I'm an architect that wants to work with golf clubs, everything is targeted towards golf clubs. Mm. Will I take on a school? Absolutely. 
but I'd rather have a golf, a golf school would be even better. A golf school would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, and I can potentially become an internationally renowned golf club you architect. Travel the world designing golf clubs. Absolutely. Or even golf. Yeah, anyway. Yes. Um, but it's easier to break into a niche when you know what your niche is and you can be really excited about that niche. Part of that is coming back to setting those smart targets. Mm. Part of it is that knowledge, that thinking behind the business, what do I really want? And we often don't do that thinking because thinking's hard. It sent the dog to sleep anyway, or maybe that was just a golf course. The dog is a very wise and sensible dog. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we often shy away from doing that thinking. Mm. We tell ourselves that we don't have time. We're so busy in the day-to-day. Um, it's interesting that, I think it's the Institute of Leadership and Management um, and the Chartered Institute for Management. Well, they you quite a long time ago, because I've been talking about leadership and management for quite a long time, um, came up with one of those lovely infographics talking about the different activities that managers should be engaged in to be successful. Golf is one of those, is it? No, but reflection is. Okay. It's one of the core competencies Mm -hmm. and one of the core things that managers and leaders should be spending time doing. And it's probably the thing that we spend the least amount of time doing. That's where we have dogs, we go for a walk and we reflect. Yes, but you and I have been managing and leading for quite a long time and are trained, as well as being trainers in the thing. Therefore, that activity is something that is built in and natural for us. For a lot of business owners, it's something that they don't do. So basically what we're saying is that you should have, well, Lola gets an hour of dog reflection time every week, every day, you know, to go out and spend. But if you don't know how to reflect, because no one's ever shown you how to reflect, or you could be reflecting on all the other things. It's not necessarily that you're not reflecting. You're just not necessarily reflecting on the things that add the most value for your business, which is where working with a business advisor makes a massive difference mainly because we poke, prod and annoy our clients and get them to think about the things they should be thinking about rather than necessarily the things they want to think about. So when you when you fail to achieve 50% of your micro-sized, micro-elephant-sized targets that we talked about half an hour ago, I think that's when you go off and reflect? Or do you reflect earlier in the process? You should be reflecting earlier in the process on the how we're doing against this. And also, if I've got 50 targets, mm-hmm. I don't want to be aiming after all 50 at the same time, which is back to your thing. Eating the elephant, you eat one elephant at a time. Sorry, one micro elephant <laughs> One elephant toy at a time. Um, yeah, it's the, if I've got 50 targets, I may well need 50 targets to achieve my goal. 50 is not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. If I want to get from 100 grand to 2 million pound turnover, mm-hmm. I probably should have 50 targets. Remember, a target is a thing to do as well as a thing to achieve. Yeah. So a target could be, I need to do three social media posts this week. Yay, I did it. Yep. Um, so 
as opposed to my post needs to hit 500 likes this week. It can be both, which is where kind of targets and KPIs get quite mixed up in a lot of people's brains. Um, but you certainly shouldn't be working on all 50 at the same time. You need to prioritise, go after one after the other, start with the important things, but also start with the low-hanging fruit. What's going to give you the biggest bang for the least amount of effort? That is, that, that is the way to go because <clears throat> you can spend a lot of time stressing about the ones which are farther down the road that you can't really influence or do anything about at this point. All the ones that need 37 other things to happen first so is, there is and a, then they become interesting. There's always a sequence to the way in which these things happen. But That's if you don't want to be putting the effort into planning and organising, then you're not going to put the effort into sequencing. No, but the sequence is quite important. Sounds like a topic for next week. Indeed, especially as we've read our top. We've reached our, I can't talk anymore. We've yes, our target. thank you so much for listening. We will speak to you guys soon.